This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. You know what happened? It was that we stopped talking and then people went down and that, that was the I problem. I needed the motivation of you slagging me every week to get good results and just imploded without that. Subscribe to the OTV Koi gig pod on the OTV Sports app now. All right, so last week on the show, we spoke about the case of USWNBA star Brittany Griner, who you might remember was arrested in Russia back in February on drugs possession and smuggling charges. Now, it sparked initially, uh, well, it was all very secretive with nobody really knowing that she was being held captive by the Russians. Uh, but over the past few weeks, it's become clear that she was going to become the victim of something of a show trial. And that trial is now underway. And today, Brittany Griner pleaded guilty to those drug possession and smuggling charges during her trial in Moscow. Now, we heard last week that at some stage she was probably going to have to plead guilty whether she was guilty or not to have any chance of getting back to america there were hopes that there might be an exchange for a russian prisoner in return for Brittany griner but she's going to have to wait a little bit longer to find out exactly what her punishment is it could well be 10 years in a siberian prison for Brittany griner she was given a letter today from the u.s president joe biden but the u.s so far hasn't made its strategy in the case public uh, it is not the only case at the moment in russia involving sports stars this week the goalkeeper of the russian national hockey team ivan fedotov was detained in saint petersburg uh, it's reported he's ended up at a military training center beyond the arctic circle recently he signed a contract with the american club the philadelphia flyers and was planning on moving to the u.s to play in the NHL. Uh, he had planned to leave Russia to join the team in America, but obviously now has not been allowed to do so. Uh, to talk about this, I'm joined by Kevin McGran, who covers the Toronto Maple Leafs and the NHL for the Toronto Star. Evening, Kevin. Nathan, how are you? Very well. Could you give us a bit more background then into Ivan Fedotov? Well, I mean, he's a very highly regarded uh, goaltender, and the Philadelphia Flyers are... Uh, are one of those teams that seems to have nothing but goaltending problems, like one after another after another. So they were really counting on this guy to be their goaltender for the season, be their goaltender for the future. And this has really thrown a, a, a wrench into those plans. Of course, there's, there's far more to it than simply one hockey team not get, being able to get one player. It's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of issues surrounding this. Um, and, and how it's being interpreted over here in North America is that this is a real um, kind of a real blow for the North American teams to get Russian players. It's a real signal to Russian players to get in line with the policies of Vladimir Putin and and the, his stance on the war in Ukraine. Uh, there's there's so many fingers to it. It's sometimes hard to digest everything that's going on all at once. And some of it, you know, is pure speculation and. Uh, but the big thing, the big message is we, we spoke to um, in I'm in Montreal right now, and, and it's sort of like the annual draft of GM's meetings, all this going on. And really, the, the, the there's a big cone of silence around anything to do with Russia. Uh, I, I do think the NHL doesn't really know what to do or what to say. And it seems the, the strategy is the less said, the better. They don't want to inflame emotions. They don't want to anger Russian authorities. They just kind of all want to play it as cool as possible. So, it, you know, I think we all feel for the kid, the Fedotov, the goalie, that he's up, you know, fighting polar bears in, in the Arctic Circle. Not to make light of it, but, you know, it did seem to kind of come right out of the blue, although I do suppose it was it was predictable given the 
the the nature of of uh, Vladimir Putin and the way he can sort of uh, lash out at his enemies at a moment's notice. So pre the Russian invasion of Ukraine, what was the usual flow of Russian players to the NHL? Was it through the draft? Was there uh, was it after the Olympics? Like what what was the scouting system, and how many of them would end up coming to America and to Canada? So the NHL, about 15% of NHL players are Russian. Um, and it, very unlike soccer, it would, your, if your contract was up in with your Russian team, you were a free agent, you could sign anywhere. There's no transfer agreements. There was no money uh, changing places. You know, every, uh, every team in, North, in the NHL has scouts all through Russia looking for players. So you, you could be drafted. Um, and then you typically, Russian players don't typically come over. You're drafted at 18 or 19. They don't typically come over until 21 or 22. They play a few years in the, in the men's league there, the KHL, which pays good money. Um, or you could be a, a simply a free agent, a mid-career player that uh, is really hitting a stride and a team in North America thinks you can help out on the third line or whatever. So it, they come both ways as free agents and as draft choices. But even a player that's drafted will have a contract with a Russian team and has to wait for that Russian for that contract to end before he can come over. Um, so it's it's it was always sort of a free flow of talent. There's lots of Canadians and Americans that go over and play in Russia, and there's no real transfer agreement. There's no real hindrances other than whether the player is under contract or not. This changes that. Like to, today um, is the NHL draft. It's today and tomorrow. So this is where they basically put negotiating rights over uh, whatever players to choose over seven rounds. Um, and it's put a, it's cast a bit of a pall on what, whether teams will actually choose Russians. If they don't think they can get them out, you know, a, a really good Russian player might go, you know, in the, in the top 10, but maybe no team wants to take a chance that they're going to waste a valuable pick like that on a Russian and that player's value will drop. So it'll hurt the player in the long run. Um, and it'll because there, there must, Kevin, be a, a big risk on the other side. Obviously, for the clubs, if they are investing and the player can't come, there is a loss there. But are they putting the players themselves at risk by agreeing to bring them to the US? Are they suddenly then on a list in Russia for somebody who's going to find themselves in a similar situation as Ivan Fedotov and suddenly whisked off to Siberia? Well, it's, it's all very weird. That certainly is a possibility now that hadn't existed before, hadn't existed before this week. But there are Russian players from the NHL who have gone back to Russia to see their families for the summer. Um, so there's a few of them. And, you know, one, the, the biggest Russian player, well, one of the biggest is Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers. And he's been a vocal opponent of Putin in the war. Um, and he's in Russia. So the, the New York Rangers are now just a little bit concerned about what's going to happen to him when he tries to leave. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild, the same thing. He actually is in the same predicament as Fedotov in that there, I guess with the Russians, they're saying that Fedotov had a fake military ID that's, that basically said he faked his military duty. And it's believed that Kaprizov use the same sort of back back room or back channel uh, uh, fraudulent card to, to say he, that he's done his military service. It's all very, the, the fact that the Russian hockey players had to do military service is, is sort of a kind of a new thought. I guess it had, it had always existed, but no one really ever talked about it. So it's hard to know whether 
the allegations are being fabricated at the Russian end or whether there's something to them. And, and this is a legitimate concern by, by the Russian government who obviously need soldiers at the moment that, the, that young, young athletes do their time. But it does seem to be a kind of a picking and choosing who is the person that's that's going to be forced to do his his military duty. It, it, there, it's, it's such um, um, it, it just seems wild. It just seems crazy and, 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 and unpredictable. We don't know who's going to be plucked out of the lineup, for example. It just it seems random and therefore hard to fathom, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. there are a bunch of Russian players, you know, veterans getting millions of dollars. Um, uh, they seem safe. Their teams are saying everything, everything's normal, everything's fine. But there's certainly an undercurrent of worry that not all of them are going to make it back to, to North America for training camp in September. We're what, four and a half, five months into the invasion of Ukraine. In that period of time, what was the NHL's relationship then with Russia? And I know you say this sort of came out of the blue and nobody knows what's going to happen next. Like with all the various sanctions that have been happening against Russia from around the world, was there no preparation behind the scenes within the NHL for some of the complications that may arise? Well, the biggest complication was with the players themselves. The, uh, the, the, the traditions of North American sports writing is that the reporters like me talk to players before the game, after the game, uh, on days off in practice. And of course, you know, when, when Russia invades Ukraine, we kind of want to know what the Russian players have to think about, have to say about this. But the, the complication was they really couldn't say anything about it. And so um, as I've come to understand it, if they, if they were asked a question about the war, they were supposed to um, support Putin up and down, like no comment which is a safe North American way of getting around a story. Mm. No comment would have gotten them in trouble. If they were asked about the war, they were supposed to support it. Otherwise, they'd be in trouble. Their family at home would be in trouble. So the upshot ended up being that uh, they were not made available to the media as all the other players were. So, you know, they might score the winning goal or, or get the shutout to win their team, but they weren't brought out for, um, uh, for interviews. We're still in COVID, so we don't go into the room. They were brought to us, and so the team had a great deal of power over which players were, were allowed to speak um, before COVID to talk to anybody because you're in the room and you just go up to anybody. So it became, it, it became sort of a thing, like these Russians were having great games and nobody was talking to them because the teams were worried that the sports writers would ask questions of a political nature, which can happen. Like, sometimes we, we don't care. We really do care about, you know, the hot streak that he's on. Um, yeah, so that was that was the biggest thing. Um, uh, you know, players basically vanished. You saw them on the ice, you knew they were there, but you couldn't speak to them afterwards. On Fedotov then, it's over a week since he was detained by law enforcement in Russia. What is known of what's happened since then? Well, the, they're not really saying anything. The, the, the Flyers are certainly working whatever back channels they can. Um, but they're not speaking publicly. It seems like everybody is afraid to say what's on their mind or to say what they're doing. They don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to offend authorities in Russia. They just want to let, let, the, process, um, let the process happen. And, and that appears to be 
exactly what's happening with the uh, with the female basketball player Griner that she just I guess she had to plead guilty in order to start the process of her extraction. Now, Fedotov's in a different position because it's actual military service that he has to do. And, and you know, if he's got six months of military service to do, you know, that's what regimes like that do. They make them do their, their military service. I don't think that there's a payoff that could possibly happen to, to free a player. I, I, it, to me, it looks like he's just going to have to serve his time in the military, which so be it. it. It certainly will hurt his season and, and maybe his career to be not being able to play goal. And, it, and, it, and do you think, Kevin, that that's is that the is that the least of his worries that you know his career might be affected for six months and he goes and he serves this like all Russians do, or is there any sense that this was a reaction to the fact that he was signing for a, a U.S. club that he was leaving Russia at this time to move to the West? I think it to me the. It's all about the military service. And I only say that because other Russian players have been allowed to leave. Now, they most of them are in are in Russia now, and we won't know if there's a really big issue until they start to come back to North America in in uh, in August. Um, I know the team that I cover, the Maple Leafs, has two Russians that they hope are with their team in uh, in September. And um, yesterday, the general manager, Carl Dubas, seemed to suggest everything was fine. But again, this is certainly something we're all going to have to keep our eye on. How free are these athletes to move uh, out of the country and between leagues? Um, It's certainly um, the first time in a generation this has happened. I mean, in the old Soviet Union, um, you know, the players weren't even, you know, were under lock and key when they traveled, that they would bolt the team or defect to the West. This is this sounds like a variation of that again that we're going to have to go through. Russia, it said, we're aiming to conscript more than 130,000 men for a year of military service in the spring, uh, generally between the ages of 18 and 27. Though I think Russia, like a lot of countries, quite often makes exceptions for elite level athletes who can't keep competing while they serve but maybe in this case it was that Fedotov was simply trying to avoid it and got caught before he left the country Uh, in terms of the greater relationship then and how it develops between the NHL and Russia has the league been under any pressure to sever those ties ahead of this because you know, these players who are playing in the NFL are held up as, as heroes. And as you said, like, they're not talking against the war. They're not talking against Putin. They're not talking at all right now. So it does feel as though the NFL is, is almost giving them a cover. Well, and, and it goes beyond that. There's international hockey as well. Uh, and and the uh, I cover, a, there's a World Junior Tournament. It's a, it's a big deal here in Canada, less so in other countries. But it's the best players under 20. Um, and uh, it... It was. It's normally played in December, January. It got cancelled because of the Omicron variant. Uh, so it's going to be played in August. Um, and uh, Russia is obviously, you know, Canada, Russia, Finland, uh, Sweden. Basically, they're the, the big hockey-playing nations. And Russia as and Belarus were kicked out of the tournament. They should have been in it, and now they are not in it. And so that is one thing that is happening um to the Russians, they're not being allowed to participate in this. The NHL, it it backs the World Cup 
it's the the backer of the World Cup, which comes and goes. It's not like soccer. It doesn't it doesn't run on a regular schedule. It, there's always international issues with timing and stuff like that. The NHL wants to bring the the World Cup back in in two years time, and uh, I keep asking the question: Will Russia be invited? And the answer keeps coming back: We'll deal with that in two years time. Like they just kick. They just kick that uh, can down the road. They don't want to come out and say anything to offend Russia, which is beyond the pale with me. Like, how much more can what more can Russia do? How much more can offend? How much more offense, uh, offensive things do they mm. have to do before we actually say something about them? So the NHL is is really kind of wishy washy in that. Um, but I suppose there is the the safety of their players in Russia that has to be con- considered on their behalf. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure, Nathan. Anytime.